Reach Young Adult Ministry Sermons Online from Tuesday, July 20th, 2021 by guest speaker Sam Steele, entitled Raised with Christ from Colossians 3, 1-11. Well, if you guys don't know me, I've probably introduced myself earlier, but my name is Sam, and um, and I'm here speaking on behalf of Philip. Philip wanted to, uh, one of the parts of being with Philip lately is Philip's been trying to have me get out of my comfort zone a little bit and try and teach a little bit, and um, I throughout this whole process, it's kind of been a thing where I thought that uh, teaching is like, I just need to say something that's going to be interesting and cool and fun, but... Um, the truth is that I can't do anything, that it's, it's not going to be me, and um, that it's always the Holy Spirit that speaks truth, and um, it can never be me. And so I'm really excited to speak about this tonight, about Colossians, because this is uh, a group of verses, specifically over these next two weeks, we're going to focus on unity in the church, and um, today specifically, we're going to talk about disunity, and um, It's going to be in Colossians 3, so if you guys want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to be in verses 1 through 11. Um, But just to give you guys a little bit of context before we start, is that the book of Colossians is written by the Apostle Paul. Um, If you all haven't heard of him, he he, um, was a very famous apostle that wrote a lot of the books in the New Testament. And he's writing specifically to the church of Colossae. And this is during his first Roman imprisonment which is around AD 60. And that number probably doesn't mean anything to any of us. And I mean, doesn't really mean that much. It's a 60. But what that does say, and what we can learn from that, is that this was written during the early church whenever they first started um, meeting together. So this is a brand new church. And it's a majority of Gentiles, Greeks, and just a few Jews. And so since this is, was a Jewish religion, and it was just spreading, spreading across the world, it's, it's a very interesting letter that there's going to be a little bit of focus on the fact that it's not just for Jews, that the gospel, um, there's unity in the gospel in that way. So it was specifically read aloud to the church. So I think that's something we often take for granted is that we literally, they, um, Paul wrote a letter and it was brought to the church. So if you guys at the church, it was brought to you. It's like if our homeboy Philip up at Falls Creek gave me a letter and I read it to y'all. And I know that kind of sounds weird, but it helps put things in perspective. The fact that Paul wrote this for the whole entire congregation to hear. And so just like we're speaking here, it was in that way. And so he addresses a lot of theological heresy, a lot of division that's in the church. And we're going to focus on specifically his topic of division and then um, Christian conduct in relation to Jesus and his death on the cross. So that kind of gives you a big picture that this whole book is essentially about Christian living and about what it looks like to follow Christ as a church. But remember that context as we go along that it was for a church that was divided in a sense. There was a lot of different races, a lot of different believers. It, it was just it was just very um, mixed around. So it, it's, it's really cool to read this. So um, let's start off verses one through four here in Colossians three. It says, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this night. Thank you for the opportunity that you give us to be able to read your word. 
Thank you that it is you that is here with us. Father God, I pray that it would not be me speaking, but it would be your Holy Spirit. It would be you that is guiding um, every word that comes out of my mouth. Father God, would you speak to our hearts and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so point number one, if you're taking notes, is new in Christ. And this is verses one through four. And um, Paul's going to start off in this very specific way. And he's going to establish something. And he's going to establish our, basically, who we are. He's going to establish what defines us and what defines the Colossian church. So he starts off by saying, so. If you have been raised with Christ, and he says so because right before this in chapter 2, in verses 20 through like 23, he's talking about living in the world and about how we care so much about the things of this world. So he's saying, in contrast to the things of this world, he says, so you have been raised with Christ against death, against sin. And he says, seek the things of above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And I want to uh, pause during this verse and focus on the word seek, because I think that's, that's a really big verse. If you um, ever study the Bible, a very specific thing you want to look at is verbs. If you look at the original text and, and what it originally says, you can find so, so, so much. And here, seek in the Greek means to seek in order to find or acquire or demand. And I love that word because when it says seek after things above, it's referencing when it's saying things above, eternal things and what is of the Lord. And, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But when it's talking about seek, I love that word because it's not saying, since you've been raised with Christ, you will know the things of above. You will know exactly what to do. It says seek because it's telling us to go after that. It's not like, oh, okay, so if... I've been raised with Christ. I just know everything. Um, It's perfect. I know exactly what God wants in my life. I don't have to do anything with reading his word or seeking after him. But the truth is, Paul is saying, seek, look, demand that you know what the Lord wants for your life. And then when he says things of above, he says the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He's talking about an an eternal value. And it's characterized by where Christ is seated. So that means seek what matters to Christ. And so at the very beginning of this, he's establishing the fact that we are raised with Christ and we are to seek after him and seek after his will because Jesus is right next to the Father. So if we seek after Jesus, we're seeking after Christ. So when we move on to verse 2, it says, Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. And so he's establishing that we have been raised with Christ. We are to seek the Lord above and set our minds on things above. That is a characteristic of seeking after Christ. And so it's saying to direct one's mind or to strive. And it reminds listeners of the temporary earthly things. If we picture the Colossian church listening to this, Paul is literally saying, why are you focusing on earthly things? What really matters? And and my question to you tonight is is your focus eternal or physical? And I know, like, it sounds super cheesy to be like, oh, I, Sam, I, I know that I, I seek on things of Christ. I'm here at church and all these things. Well, the fact that you sit in this room, first off, and the fact that you go to church on Sundays, the fact that you are, are involved, does not in any way mean that you fully know Christ and that you have everything together. 
In fact, there is so many dead people in the church that don't know Christ, and it's heartbreaking. And that's so hard to think about because we have so many people that become physically focused. And I don't want that to happen to any of you. So I genuinely ask that. Are you focused on the things that are eternal or on the things that are physical? Because this church would have been focused on things that were, that were physical. And, and later on, and we're going to talk about how they were divided in their thinking with one another. And so they were, they were so focused on their division and on the things that, that made them different that they lost sight of who Jesus was to them, each and every one of them that united them. So in verse three, it says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. So the whole reason why Paul is talking about all of this is to remind the church, you are united. There's a reason. There's a reason why you are all hidden in Christ. He says you, and he's talking to the church. He's not talking to specifically the Gentiles, specifically to the Greeks or the Jews. He's saying you, he says, you died. And there's a partnership with death and the ridding of an earthly self. Because it says when your life is hidden in God, that means that you have been concealed. You've been hidden from sight. That when, that when you are covered by Jesus, whenever God sees you, he does not see you. He sees Jesus. And so your life is hidden or concealed in him. Because Christ's death is permanent in our life. And that's something that I feel like we don't always get is the fact that nothing will change the fact that Christ died for you. It's a gift. It's offered to you. It's extended to you. The thing about a gift is you have to accept it. Jesus has offered each and every one of us that gift. But just the fact that we know there's a gift doesn't mean we have it at all. And so it's permanent. It's something that when we have it, it's ours and the sins of the past are hidden, and we have right standing with the Father. And I'm saying a lot of things that you all probably heard before. But the truth is, is that this is what unites us as a church. This is what unites each and every one of us in this room. Whether you're a member at this church or you go somewhere else, this is something as the big C church, as we call it, unites us. Is the fact that we, have, we are all raised with Christ and we're hidden in Christ when we believe in him. And so when we move on to verse four, it says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So he's finishing up this first section talking about, okay, y'all have been, y'all have been raised with Christ, seek on what is above. And he says, when Christ, in anticipation for when he is to come, he says, who is your life? And I love that phrase because he's reminding them that Jesus is the source of the life. Jesus is the source of salvation He's the source of life and life abundantly because we were dead in our sins. And his salvation gives us new life. And we're going to continue on talking about what that looks like in the new life in this next section. But it, it talks about how the believers, believers will join Jesus and experience the fullness of God's presence when he comes in that second coming. coming. And it is that this whole section establishes a confidence in their salvation. So this whole first four verses is about the fact that we are saved. We are hidden in Christ. And so to kind of give a little summary of this first section, are you focused eternally, physically, and do you know Christ? Because that is what Paul is referencing here. 
So we move on to the second section, which is verses 5 through 8. It's going to be called transformed nature. So if you're taking notes, that's point number two, transformed nature. It says this, Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now, put away all the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. All right, there was a lot of words there. And there's two lists that are, it's, it's a little bit overwhelming at first. But let's, let's pick this apart. It says, therefore. And we have to see what that's there for. So, it's saying, since you have been raised in Christ, in the context of those first four verses, because you have been raised with Christ and you have salvation, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. What Paul is essentially saying here is your earthly nature makes you of the world. Have you ever noticed that when you're out with people or or you do something that's different from the world, people are just like, I don't know what else to say, just be like, what the heck? Like, why are you being that way? And the truth is, is that we don't live in our earthly nature when we're in Christ because that's in line with the world. Because the characteristics of the earthly nature, it says here, is sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Those are all outward expressions and work of the flesh, which is naturally self-centered. And the thing is, these are all, what he's, what he's saying here is these are sins. And if we've learned anything in reach, which I love this phrase, but sin is not about the things that you do. Sin is about control. And when we give control to our earthly, earthly nature, that sin, that's, that's impure, that's immoral, that is not of God. It says it's idolatry because our earthly nature worships and idolizes the old self. It takes our eyes off of Jesus so Paul's saying, rid yourself of those things. And this whole entire year, we're talking about unity. We're talking about being together as the, as the Big C Church. We're doing the gathering. We're doing all these different events and meeting other churches, doing lots of things, being united. But we should take this charge seriously that Paul's talking about. We're to rid ourselves of our old nature. It doesn't just come easy. When we are raised with Christ, we are called to put to death. Paul doesn't just say, try not to do these things anymore. Just try your best. It's, you know, you know, you'll be fine. You know, every once in a while, you know, the truth is that we are to put it to death. That's what he said. The Bible doesn't mean what it says. It means what it means. We are to put that to death. And the reason why is because It says, because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. How sad is it to know the truth, to know to put those things to death, but be disobedient? It's honestly worse to know the truth and not live in it. It says, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And this is super significant because this is talking about the seriousness of disunity, the seriousness of living in these things. Disobedient can also be translated as obstinate opposition to divine will. 
that's kind of a complicated phrase, but obstinate opposition to divine will because it's opposition to putting on a new nature. It's disobedience when we know to put to death our earthly nature and we still live in it. That is a sin. But it says, but those who are obedient, those who are obedient, their loyalty belongs to God and God's way. Are you being obedient? Back to the first question we asked. Are you focusing on things that are physical or eternal? Where is your focus? And then on top of that, are you being obedient? Because if you've been raised with Christ, there should be no reason why you're living in your earthly nature anymore. That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, stop it. Honestly, rule number two, don't do dumb stuff. The Colossian church, he doesn't want to do dumb stuff. And that's just the truth. So he continues this thought into verse seven. So let's, let's look right here. It says, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. You once. He's referencing that they used to be that way. He's saying this is who you used to be. And there was a divided church. He was, talk, he was talking to the divided church. He was talking to the Gentiles, the Greeks, and the Jews. And he was saying, every one of you used to walk in this way. He was bringing a common denominator to each and every one of them. And their similarity together, our similarity, just like the Colossian church, is that we're different from the world. And I love that, you know, it's such a thing in the church where we're like, be different. You're different. The truth is we are different. And get used to it. Because I love being different. God calls us to be different. That's what makes us similar. That's what makes you and me here in this place so similar. Is the fact that we're different than the world. We could be doing a lot of other things, but we choose to be here. And that's because we want to be different. We want to put off that earthly nature. He says in verse 8, But now put away all the following. And then we have another list. It says, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. This is specifically referencing things that we say. But notice that he doesn't say put to death, not like in verse 5. This is a little bit different because this focus is on what divides the church. So I want to bring this into our reach community. Okay, so these are things that can divide us. As a community, this is what can divide the Big C Church. When you look at this list, it becomes a lot different because you begin to identify things that happen in our culture and in our churches that are exactly like this. Because we have anger. We deal with wrath, malice, and filthy language. And each of these things has the same result. It's a disruption of relationships within the church. And we see it way too often. Paul is charging us to put away those things. It's so, so important that we do because it's hurting us. He's, he's calling the Colossian church out of their old life and into their new life. That is in Christ. So like we talked about in the beginning, if we have been raised and our focus is eternal, then are we living in our new nature? in our new self. 
Because we put to death our old nature. All right. Verse 9. Point number three is sanctification. So Paul continues on here right after saying that list. He says, Do not lie to one another. Since you have put to death the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. So he says, do not lie to one another. He's referencing church relationships here. And what he's, what he's really saying here, I like to use my sanctified imagination, but also I use the dictionary. He said, don't deceive or speak deliberate falsehoods. It's a complicated word. Deliberate falsehoods. He's talking about transparency. And I think this is something that's really taken for granted here in the church often. In the big C church. We aren't transparent. Because there's this fear that if the church really knew what I've done or that I'm a sinner, then then I, I wouldn't be allowed to be here. I'd deal with all these consequences and all these things. Well, first off, just so you know, sin, there's consequences to sin, and that's how it works. Can't get out of it. But there is unity in transparency. There is unity in transparency. And this is also referenced when Paul is talking to the Ephesians. In Ephesians 4.25, when he's addressing the church, he says, Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. I think it's very important that we understand that a source of our disunity is when we hide. Mm-hmm. Is when we decide to, to not let people in. When we decide to not be transparent. And I'm not saying go and tell reach your deepest, darkest secrets because, uh, no, you don't need to do that. But you can't be living in a new self and practicing the old ways. It's dangerous when we lie to one another. And we might not be directly lying and being like, oh, I didn't just say false things. But the truth is, we need to be transparent. When we ask one another how we are and things, it, it becomes lying when we just say things that just aren't true. And that happens so often and we downplay it and we're like, oh, it's just, you know, I'm just having a bad day and I just don't need to be transparent and all this stuff. But the truth is that that, that's, that stops unity in the church. It does. I would encourage you to find somebody that's close to you that you can be 110% transparent with. That knows you better than anybody knows you. That can be able to call you out on your crap that can call you to unite the church because there's danger when we lie to one another. He continues on here. He says, you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. And this phrase is, is, has always stumped me. I've always been like, uh, what is this? Like uh, we're being renewed into knowledge according to the image of your creator. It's a little hefty. But it's saying a true knowledge. It can be translated as, as knowledge of things that are ethical and divine. So essentially what it's saying here is you're being renewed to be more and more like Jesus. You're being renewed 
to know what is ethical, what is true, what is divine. And it's making you more like Jesus. And that's sanctification. Becoming a new creation and becoming more like Jesus. It's kind of funny how this whole time, in this, it, Paul talks in really big thoughts. So we're, we're taking apart like two paragraphs here in the Bible, I guess you could say. <laughs> Sorry, not the Bible. <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> we're taking apart two paragraphs in this chapter, but there wasn't chapters in the original text. That's what I meant to say. And he, he takes these really big thoughts sometimes. But it's so interesting how he always brings it back. And I love how he brings it back to the very beginning by bringing back sanctification because we are becoming a new creation. Because in the beginning, he's saying, you were raised with Christ. You are becoming a new creation. And so that's sanctification. But there's a transformation as you think the same way as your creator. I love how he uses the phrase, your creator. The image of your creator. I love that because it's giving us a goal. And I love Roy said it earlier um, before Reach. Like, if we were like, I'm trying to remember to summarize what you said, but we become satisfied where we're at. Sometimes we try to be satisfied, but through this we'll never be satisfied. We'll never be where we're supposed to be until we're with Jesus. Satisfied when you're dead, honestly. That sounds so depressing to say. <laughs> I just brought the mood down. But the, but the truth is, is that we're becoming more and more like Jesus. And until the day that he brings us home, we want to becoming, be becoming more and more like him. That's our goal. He's giving us a goal there. So within all of us, let's go to this last verse here. Verse 11, I know I'm going a little quick. We might end early. But this is an awesome verse. It ties everything together. It says, In Christ there is no, there's not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. But Christ is all and in all. Mm-hmm. So Paul's finishing by this little section here by addressing what it is to be in Christ. So we've been identifying a lot of things that we need to stop, like stop it, obviously. And next week when we go through um, the next section, we're actually going to talk about things we can implement and work on. And, and, and it's going to be awesome to just see some of the character traits that Paul talks about God's chosen people having. And this week we've really focused on the fact that We've been raised with Christ and that we need to put away all these things. But within putting away all those things, he denies a lot of common divisions among this church. So with the context of this church and that they were Greeks and Jews and Gentiles, when he says Greek or Jew, there is not Greek or Jew. He's saying there is no superior race. He's saying the Colossian church, there, there's no superior race. Circumcision or uncircumcision, there's no superior tradition. I think that's often a a word in the church that's like really interesting to think about. But it often divides us. The fact that this church does this tradition, we do this tradition. And I think we often lose the point. It becomes about who's right and who's wrong. And it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. 
Because the truth is we have been raised with Christ. And that's what unites us. And then he says, barbarian and Scythian. Now, these are uh, interesting terms, but this, you, this is a cultural term for the Colossians. A barbarian would be somebody, or in a Scythian would be somebody that's rude or rough. So it's like basically, I think it's, it's kind of similar to calling somebody like an idiot, but a little bit more hefty in that culture. I don't know why I use the word hefty. It just means a lot more to them. Um, but these are stereotypes. And a Scythian was known as the worst of the barbarians. The worst. So he's saying... There's no superior race, no superior tradition, no stereotypes. And he says, slave and free. There's no social standing. I love that. That in Christ, there's none of those things. He's, he's basically knocking down all these walls. And that's what we're focusing on, on this week with our unity. We have to break down those walls with the church. There can't be race there can't be superior tradition, stereotypes, and there can't be social standing that gets in the way of our unity. Because that's our old self. And in, in this he's saying, put to death all these things. Put to death your old self. This is the old self. And we as the church have to follow these things. And we can sit here and deny that the things that Paul's referencing here don't exist in the church today. But the truth is every single one of these exists. And even if you're not specifically dealing with it here or you're not specifically dealing with it in your life, you will in the church. These things, we're we're battling spiritually every single day. And there's a lot of things that happen outside of this church building. I think we sometimes think that we have to just come in here and we get our Christian on and, and then we leave and we kind of forget that the fact is like our whole life for Jesus is outside these doors. Like there's, there's a lot we do here. I'm not saying that this doesn't matter what we do here. There's a lot of things that are important to fill us up and unite us, but we can't not carry that out with us. And so he says, but Christ is all and in all. If you've ever heard the song, All in All, it's like, an, I guess it's, I think it's a really old song. Um, but it reminds me of that because it, it talks about how Christ is our all in all. He's our shelter when we're weak, the treasure that we seek, our all in all. And Christ is the common denominator, and he is everything that's needed. That's what makes us the church. Mm-hmm. Not this church building, not another church building with other people. It's Christ, the common denominator. That's all we need. We don't even need this building. Honestly, it's the people. We can meet out in the parking lot. We could literally meet in a park. I think we should do that sometime for each. Just saying. That's an idea we're going to throw at Philip. Anyways. But in the fall, when it's nice outside. (laughs) But that's the common denominator. Because we are buried with Christ. And he unites us. We are all, as you could say, in sports terms, we're on the same team. And, uh, yeah. That reminds me of high school musical. Sorry. We're all in the same. We're all in this together. But... All right. All right. But to wrap this up, I want to say our unity in Christ, our being raised in Christ makes us different from this world. So it calls us to put away what makes us like the world. 
Are you putting away the things that makes you like this world? Are you putting away the things that divide you within the church? Are you putting away these actions that break relationships, that hurt the church, and cause disunity? And how can we act like we're all on the same team outside of this building? This doesn't happen right now when we're speaking. That's not necessarily where you have all these conversations and, and you get to put into practice everything that's being taught here. It's outside of these doors. So how are you being intentional to unite the church? So next week, we're going to be talking about God's chosen people and how this gives us the basis for that, that because of who we are and because of the new life that we're living He's going to give us some practical things that we can put on. And we have a couple more lists that unite us. And I'm really excited to continue talking about that. We're going to have Philip back next week. We're going to have a ton of people. I'm, I'm super excited. But remember what unites us. Don't forget that. Seriously. enjoyed this episode of the reach podcast please be sure and like and subscribe to our content you can find us on spotify itunes and wherever you find your favorite podcasts also you can find us on social media by searching for reach.tulsa find us on our website evergreenbc.org forward slash reach i also want to invite you to come be a part of our community we meet every tuesday night at 6 30 at evergreen church in south tulsa on 111th street just east of mingo god is moving in the lives of young adults all across the world he has something for you so don't miss out Sorry.